afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, I'm your host. Thank you for joining me today. The title of today's episode is called The Sword of the Spirit. And I think we all know what the Sword of the Spirit is. First of all, I hope you are well wherever you are. And thank you for joining me um, today. And um, I pray for you and yours that we will all experience God's divine love and mercy at this time. And that you know the presence of God will not depart from us. We will feel His peace, His covering, His defense, His protection will be upon us. His glory will be strong, and that God will just cover us entirely with all of Him, and you know give us a blanket covering and just keep us safe from the vagaries of the night, from the terror by day, from the arrow that you know, from the pestilence that walketh in darkness, and the destruction that wasted at noonday, and that. Um, thousand may fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand, it shall never, ever, ever come near us, and that only with our eyes will we see and behold the reward of the wicked. And because we have made the Lord our refuge, and even the Most High our habitation, there shall no evil befall us and ours, neither shall any sickness come near our dwelling place. For he has given his ministering angels charge over all of us, and they shall keep us in all our ways. And they shall bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall in turn tread upon lions and adders. The young lion and the dragon shall we trample under feet, because we have set our love upon him. Therefore will he honor us. He will lift us up on high, because we have known his name. We will call upon him today, and he will answer us. He will be with us in trouble. With long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation. So today we are going to be musing on the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Thank you. And my headline scripture is Ephesians 6, 17, which says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Thank you. is Ephesians 6 17 and it says and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God now where do I start from Ephesians 6 talks about the entire armor of God it talks about the helmet of salvation it talks about the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith having your loins got about with truth it tells us that you know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal it doesn't have you know it says we wrestle not with flesh and blood yes but against principalities, against powers. In fact, there's one translation that says we wrestle against the rulers of the cosmic darkness of this world. These spiritual wickedness in heavenly places is so true. Those fallen beings that decided to be rebels against the things of God, we actually, they are the ones we are wrestling against. You know, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We should never be confused about that. You know, we say it, we say, ah, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities. We use that word principalities. But we really don't know that it is as true as it sounds. It's true. Our contention is not with flesh and blood. Even when flesh and blood are the, you know, the stooges or the minions or the channels or the tools that they use, the people behind them are these people that are described in Ephesians 6. You know, rulers of the darkness of this world. You, you don't need to, you know, you can tell who they are by what, you know, the influences that they have upon the nations that they, 
they, they hover over, if you know what I'm saying. So when it says the rulers of the darkness, uh, yes, you know, you just look at what kind of evil, what kind of darkness is existing in that nation, in that society, in that community, then you know the nature of the ruler that you have in place there, you know. And these were things that, you know, we came across in those days when we used to go and evangelize. Yeah, anyways, I digress. But um, yes, yeah, you know, they, they, they are, these are the people presiding over the darkness of this world. So the weapon, if, if as a Christian you are light trying to shine darkness in such a context, you are not going to be worried in the flesh, I think, which is the back story to this, I think, which is why I want God is leading me to news about, you know, the sword of the spirit. So this is one out of all the, you know, the armor of God. And I think there are about, there should be about seven of them, I think. If I think about it, I'm not sure I can remember all of them off head, but they should be seven. Oh, seven is the is the experience of perfection. But um, so let me see, let me try and count. There's the helmet of salvation. There's the loins get about with truth. There's my feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's the breastplate of righteousness. There is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is five. I'm sure I'm missing one thing. Anyway, yeah, I think I've gotten about five there. But anyways, um, but out of all of them, all of, if you notice, all of those things are all defensive things. You know, the helmet protects your head. The breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. The feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace protects your feet. You know, uh, loins guard about the truth protects your most tender areas. But the one that you use to attack is the sword of the spirit. It's the sword. And you know, you cannot go, if you go into battle with only shield, and helmets, you only be defending. Okay, yes, the shield of faith. Bible tells us that it can quench all the fiery darts of the uh, of the wicked one. That's excellent. But then, how will you wreak havoc into the person, your enemy? It is the word of God that does that. And that's why I like this sword. I like that sword. I ah, and I I wield it. I try my best to really wield it. And <laughs> I'm going to drop a scripture here because I think one thing as as believers and I, you know, like I said, these are all my personal musings. I think one thing that we don't realize as often or as much as we should is that the ability to wield the sword just like a natural sword and you see every time God uses imagery and words they are very deliberate you cannot just pick up a sword today and say you want to go into battle it's not possible in fact I remember one film I watched where it says you cannot go into war with an unproven rifle Exactly, that's how it is with a, with a sword. And that was what David said when he was going to fight Goliath. But they put a sword in his hand. He said, I cannot, I've not proven this sword. I can't use it. Let me use the weapon I am familiar with, which was the sling and the stone. And as it thunders, God used that sling and stone to kill Goliath. But this is the thing, actually. Oh, which is why I like when the Holy Ghost is taking me. I like it when he's moving. David actually did not slay Goliath with a sling and a stone. He slew Goliath with the word of God. He said to him, He said, Who are you, this uncircumcised Philistine, that you will defy the armies of the living God? Today the Lord will deliver you into my hand. That is what he said. He used the sword of the Spirit. So, contrary to the belief that people will believe that David slew Goliath with a sling and a stone, he did not. He slew Goliath with the sword of the spirit because be, behold Goliath was a physical representation of the spiritual rebellion of the rulers of the darkness of this world and those people you can only destroy them with the sword of the spirit which is the word of God which is why David before even slinging that stone 
he actually spoke the word of God to the giant Goliath. So, you can't go into battle with an unproven rifle. So, 2 Timothy 2.15, and I wanted to read this at the end, but I'll read this now since this is where the Holy Ghost is going. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. In other words, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of, word of truth. That scripture, you can read it anyhow. Some people have said, but what he's trying to tell you is that know how to weld your weapon. That's the long and short of that thing. The only way. Say, study to show yourself approved. So, if you are a soldier of Christ, or I am a soldier of Christ, and... God has said to me that the whole armor of God, these are the tools of our trade. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. He says I have to study to show myself able to weld that armor and to wear that armor. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly, the word of truth is the sword of the spirit. That's what Ephesians 6.17 tells us, which is our headline scripture. Rightly dividing. You can only... So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that every believer including myself especially myself to be a workman that is able to show himself approved or a soldier of christ that is able to endure hardness or anybody that is able to war with the cause with the rulers of the cosmic darkness of this world This is why uh, from the beginning um, God kept telling the Israelites Joshua won it, he gave them the he gave them the law, he gave them the word. Even God Himself, when there was darkness upon the face of the earth, what did the what did the Lord do? So first of all, he said the Holy Spirit hovered upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light. And God said, in fact, it's those three words, and God said. That was what he did when there was darkness. And God said, he used the sword. And it's the sword of the spirit because, so the spirit first showed up. And then the word came. Let there be light. And there was light. Hey, darkness fled. I love that. I just love that. And that is it. That, that Genesis 1 example is what is the only way to chase darkness away. Every other thing is just protecting yourself so they won't be able to hurt you, which is fine. You know, they will hurt me. But then that attacking as in to wreak havoc. Oh, oh well. As in. And I find that this is my thing. And I find that that fact i don't even know oh lord just help me help me help me help me i find that so hebrews 4 12 says for the word of god is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart now this is the thing the word of god created everything so even the rulers of the darkness of this world they are created beings falling rebel angels rebels and beings that were created by that same word so they are subject to that word as well so i find i have found this has been my experience that when i use 
the undiluted word of God as in I declare it. First of all, I've meditated upon it. I understand it. God has given me revelation. And I say it as it is. Not as I don't paraphrase. It is so powerful. Which is why you will notice over a lot of these scriptures I have been I've been using the sword for those who may have noticed for very good reason too. And it is really a sword though. It is really a sword. If we are able to see it in the spirit, you will know that it is a sword. It is a double-edged sword. You know what a double-edged sword does? It's very deadly. But why this um, the sword of the spirit is very unique is that it can also heal. So it and, and maybe that's what it means by sharper than any two-edged sword because on one side it can bring mercy, it can bring comfort, it can bring um, you know salvation and all that. And for people, you know, it can bring healing. On the other hand, it can wreak <laughs> judgment, vengeance. And we will talk about we all know a lot of what the word of God does in the good sense of it, if you know what I'm saying. But we will read some scriptures that also talk about the other side of what that um, double-edged sword does. In Revelations 1.16, it says, in his right hand, now this is Jesus, this was at the beginning of Revelations, the visions that um, John saw, the apostle John saw, and it tells us at the beginning that it was Jesus he saw, I think we may even read that Revelations 1.13-19, where it talks about who he is. So from verse 13, it says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and, it, and when I turned, I saw seven candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the path with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength and when i saw him i fell at his feet as one dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not i am the first and the last i am he that liveth and was dead and behold i am alive forevermore amen and i have the keys of hell and of death write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are shall be hereafter. Revelations 1, 13 to 19. So what this was Jesus he saw, the vision of Jesus as he is. This was even though he called himself, he said he's like unto the son of man. This was son of God in all his glory. And the Bible says here that in verse 16 that he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. So that sharp two-edged sword has the ability to do two things, to do both the mercy, the healing, the deliverance, all of that of God it also has the ability to wreak vengeance. And we'll read that in um, other scriptures. I just wanted us to see the power of that same two-edged sword that we have access to. It comes out of the mouth of the, the Son of God that is described in such a fierce and awesome and glorious way in Revelations 1, 13 to 19. That's the vision of Jesus that I keep to my mind. I don't keep the vision of Jesus walking the Lord that he shows walking through the streets of Galilee. Because really that was in the past. That's not the risen king. The risen king, if you want to know what the risen king looks like, please go to Revelations 1, 13 to 19. Let's just leave it like that. So 2 Corinthians 10, 14 says, For the weapons by warfare are not carnal, 
um, uh, you know, they have divine power, mighty through God, to be pulling down of strongholds. Yes, absolutely. Um, Isaiah eleven fourteen says, "With righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked." And hey, yeah, now we're getting to the parts that I like. So let's just take a break, and then I'll come back and start afresh with that part. Thank you. I'm sure you must have realized that this is a musing about spiritual warfare yes it is it is it is which is why i'm not so much musing so much about the word of god and the other you know in quotes nice things the way the sort of the way the, the word of the sort of the spirit works for those of us as children so isaiah 11:14 14 says with righteousness he would judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted yeah and that's his mercy for the afflicted of the earth and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked so this is god really telling us that the sword of the spirit is going to be used very very seriously to slay the wicked and you know we had used in some other um, episodes before we talked about um you know executing the judgment that is written so what i always do whenever there are situations that i'm faced with that are similar you know and i can see bible reference for it and isaiah has a lot of them is a very good place where you want to execute the judgment that is written. He's actually the one that used that language. I just read those scriptures and I read it purposefully because the Bible says, This honor have all the saints. So he says he will slay the wicked with the breath of his lips. And it is something that I think I believe that as a believer, wherever God leads me to a point where I need to weld the sword of the spirit and execute the judgment that is written according to his word and as led by his spirit yes i will not shy away from it i will do it and i think maybe we should even look for that scripture that says this honor of all the saints i don't know if i can find it but yeah so revelations 2 12 in the same revelations it says this was jesus now telling john says and to the angel of the church in pergamon write the one who has the sharp twigged sword says this so everything he told him and so jesus is actually describing himself as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword and the reason why he's emphasizing that is because that sword is coming to wreak vengeance and judgment upon the wicked and upon his enemies i think actually the scripture that also talks about him in the second coming actually referred to that showed that he was coming with that two-edged sword also through his mouth as well so it's a very strong thing in the latter days even though it has always been there but he refers to it more as the sword of the spirit from the new testament onwards up to revelations a sword is not something that you used to say hello you are you have it you understand what i'm saying it's a very very attacking something you know it's a weapon it's a weapon every other thing is now is a defense but it's a weapon and it's the only weapon that he has that he needs and I think that David Goliath analogy is just for me, you know. Anyway, the Bible is just complete. The Bible is just complete because the soldiers of the day they couldn't attack Goliath because they were trying to come against him with swords. But he came against. In fact, David said, "I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will he defy." Will he deliver you into my hands? Ah, David was a prophet. 
He was a prophet from childhood. He Jesus gave us an example of how to wield this sword in the temptations, you know, when he was in the wilderness, because, you know, the, the devil came to him like three times. The enemy came to him about three times trying to, um, you know, deceive him and tell him to do all manner of <laughs> curious things. And then Jesus said to him, Matthew 4 verse 10, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. So God used by that, by, do, by doing this through the temptation jesus showed us the it is written principle so every time he came to him and he told him oh i knew you are indeed the son of god at least command these stones turn it into bread blah 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 jesus didn't discuss with him he just said it is written went straight to the word of god and he was quoting scripture verbatim <coughs> i was quoting scripture verbatim word for word which is why like i said study to show yourself approved now how can you quote how will i be able to quote scripture when i don't know it so if jesus himself had to quote scripture word for word to respond to the devil the servant is not greater than the master that is the only way to handle him jesus didn't keep quiet jesus didn't start asking god oh yeah come and help me come and save me jesus said it is written which is why i still say it is something that i have learned and i think why i do this music is to remind myself of those things that fundamental principles of of, of scripture, faith, life, and life that one has learned before that may have slipped away, that one knows has really helped over this, over the years. The sword of the word of God is the sword. The word is the sword. The sword is the word. David defeated Goliath by wielding the sword of the Spirit. Jesus resisted the enemy by wielding the sword of the Spirit. Second Thessalonians in Revelation 2.16, Jesus said, Therefore repent, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. So Jesus said, When he is coming back, he will make war against the enemies with the sword of his mouth. Yes, because the sword is the word. In Isaiah 55.11, he says, So shall my word be that proceeds from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I propose, I shall, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So this is the word of God as a messenger, as a decisive arrow, and a decisive word or tool or weapon that goes forth to accomplish. So if it is if the mission of the word of God is to wreak vengeance or to slay the wicked, like Jesus said here. It will not return unto him void. It's like a ballistic missile. When you press the button of the ballistic missile, it's not returning. That ballistic missile is not coming back. He's going straight for his destination. So it's better you think <laughs> you think well before you press that button. So 2 Thessalonians 2, and I will read the entire thing. I was going to read verse 8 because it was talking about the lawless one. But I think it's good to read it from verse 1. Now this is Paul. Very, very important scripture here. He's talking to the apostles about the end times and the, you know 
when the latter the last days will come and he says now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by the uh, gathering together unto him that don't be shaken in mind or be troubled in your spirit or in word or by letter as to when the day of christ or the, you know don't be thinking that the day of christ is at hand verse 3 let no man deceive you by any means for that day will not come except that becomes a falling away first and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition as the antichrist verse 4 who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called god or that is worshipped so that he as god sits in the temple of god showing himself that he is god verse 5 remember ye that not that when i was yet with you i told you these things and now you know that what withholded that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity is already at work but he that is restraining that iniquity will will Will, will, will continue to restrain until he is taken out of the way and then shall the wicked one be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying and wonders so this is one you know this first Thessalonians uh, 2 second Thessalonians 2 you need to go and read it in dicks to really understand what he said. There is a lot of wisdom, mystery, futuristic revelation in that portion. But I'm just going to hone in on verse 8 when it says that that wicked one, which is the Antichrist, shall be revealed. He was telling them that even as of then, the iniquity of that Antichrist was already at work. So you can imagine the kind of construct that is already in place as of now. And it says, and then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So again, we know that when Jesus comes, he comes with light, therefore he will destroy the darkness because you know the darkness cannot withstand light. But Jesus says here that he will consume with the spirit of his mouth. So this is God using another piece of language to show us that the sword is the spirit and that spirit, that sword comes out of his mouth. So the long and short which I'm reminding myself is that the word of God in my mouth when I when I willed it with faith and with understanding, like David did, it has the ability. It's alive and it is powerful, sharper than any treasure. It has the ability to slay giants in the same way that David did. Isaiah 49 2 says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword, and he made me a polished arrow. He said he hid me like a quiver. This one is Isaiah 49 to say, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. Yes, now, because by the time he, he teaches you, gives me that revelation, that word in my mouth, it becomes like a sharp arrow, like a sharp sword. It's, it's, you know, I think it's just amazing the way the word of God is true. I think for me, the greatest witness that I have experienced of the fact that it's, it's just uh, the word of God, the written, even what is in the scriptures, the power in the word that I have experienced in my life, that I have seen, that I have tasted. When people start talking about power, I'm like, which power, power have you seen? Which power? What, what, which power have you seen that is impressing you? Give the power of the prophecies in the word of God. The power, I, I don't want to talk too much. I can't, I don't want to talk too much. I don't want to talk too much. Isaiah says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword, He made me polished away. Yes, 
the word of God in our mouths will be as powerful as what David did. And there were many Old Testament prophets that did this. So let's not talk about the New Testament ones. The three Hebrew boys as well, Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the, uh, the, the King Nebuchadnezzar said they should bow before the golden idol, the man had made a decree. All the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, very big kingdom, very as an established kingdom, structure, everything. He said that when they hear the sound of the timbrel, the harp, the whatever, they should all bow down to that massive golden idol that he built. And these three Hebrew boys refused to do it. Honestly, they, this Old Testament prophets. And he, they went to him and they said, Come, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He even gave them the opportunity to recant, which is what the devil will always do. They will always give you that opportunity because it's more important to them that you denounce the faith than for you to die without denouncing the faith. So they gave them the opportunity to recant, whether, you know, whether the threat of death will now make them bow down finally because that's the end game which we are discussing before him steadfast under trial and the three Hebrew boys they said okay Nebuchadnezzar in fact I like that response I'm not reading it but please go and read it they said we are not careful to answer you in this matter in other words we're not going to be political he said look we will not bow down our God first of all our God is able to deliver us from you and this your burning fiery furnace that you are threatening us with but say but even if he does not deliver us be it known unto you that we will not bow down to this your idol as in I, you know so inspiring they refused modern day believers will say ah what is it now bow now god sees your hands <laughs> just say, by the time the son of perdition is revealed many of us maybe not because the spirit of compromise I think is too much amongst a lot of us and I think this this Bible you know this is this is not me saying that I, I you know this is I, I I will confess I take inspiration from the lives of these people from David and I think that's why they are dead that's why the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction for instruction when we see that three Hebrew boys, three young boys were able to do this, and what happened? They fell into the fire. They threw them. In fact, the king said they should make the furnace seven times hotter than what it was before. The king's um, his his instruction was so urgent that even some of the people that went to burn the fire to increase the flame, they ended up dying in the process. They threw them bound, hands and legs bound inside the fire. I wonder why would you throw somebody bound inside the fire? <laughs> really, you can imagine how much they wanted to really, really just torment them. The Bible records that they saw the two, three men bound into the fire. They saw four men walking in the midst of the fire because, and he says the fire had no power over them. The king now asks his people, ah, is it not three men that we cast into the fire? How come we are seeing four walking? And one of them, the, the, the vision of the fourth one is as unto the Son of God. <clears throat> but the most important thing is that the three Hebrew children said, even if he said that God is able to deliver us, that was when they were wielding the sword. But they now made it a personal and said, even if he does not deliver for any reason. Because it is also possible that he may decide that he will glorify himself through our death. If that be the case, be it known unto thee, we will not bow before you. And honestly, when you when I read Second Thessalonians 2, I think that is a sort of commitment that every believer needs to make. That if push comes to shove, we are faced with a golden idol and there are people developing a campaign of calumny to say we are bow 
and they are bringing the threat of all manner of things. If, if you don't do this one, we die. This one, what will you do? What will I do? I think I will do the same. I will choose to do the same thing that the Hebrew children did, simply because of the reason that it doesn't end in this earth. The last page of my life does not end with the day I draw my last breath. But as I am right now, I think I live more for the joy and the glory of what will be in the hereafter. Everything that is driving me now is really about to study myself, to show myself approved, the workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, because of the hereafter. It doesn't end here. So what does it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't understand that kind of transaction. And that's what the three Hebrew children knew. You cannot ask me to give up my own soul simply because of a physical life that we ended anyway, in any case. There's nothing any of us will do. This natural life, this body, will fail. Oh, may God give us... Let me, pray for, let me personalize it. May God give me the spirit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't even bother to answer him in a political way. That's why God honored them. That's why God showed up. Because God said, ah. The Bible says, When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith upon the earth? When Jesus comes back, that's what he's looking for. And the only thing that can bring faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It takes us back to the sword of the Spirit. So Jesus will be coming with the sword of the Spirit to execute judgment upon the earth. And he will be looking for those places where there will be faith. And that faith can only be in places where the word of God, that same sword, has found its home where it has been wielded. So Father, I make a commitment today to study to show myself approved as a worker who has no need to be ashamed before you, rightly handling the word of truth. And I ask that Lord, help me. Make my mouth like a sharp sword and make me a polished arrow like your prophet Isaiah said. Help me so that like the three Hebrew children, careful to answer and that like David I will come against all them that stand against your kingdom against your word I will come against them in the name of the Lord of hosts in the name of the God of the armies of Israel whom they seek to defy and even as you did it to David you will deliver them O Lord into your hands last days you will cause your kingdom to arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord shall be revealed shall arise upon us his glory shall be seen upon us Gentiles will come to our light and kings to the brightness of our rising thank you Father Lord for you shall sharpen the sword in my hand the 
sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I worship you. Be thou exalted, be thou glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.